Hello there, and welcome to Sweet Child of Time. I'm your host, Steve Barnes, and I am here with my other host from one of my stories. It's Lindsay Dunn. Ahoy there, Lindsay. Ahoy, Steve. Hey, good to see you again. Sorry we didn't see each other last week, but we're back now. Yes, we are back. Lindsay, before we get started with our recap, I wanted to back up a little bit to our last two episodes because we did some back-end research, you and I. Okay. I want to report to everybody what we found. Um, First off, you uh, asked me about the patches that were on, I think it was on, it was Ulrich's uh, backpack that these patches were on. So, um, you know, I fast forwarded, zoomed into them. One of them was a Bones Brigade patch, which is like a skateboarding company. So I don't think that has any kind of affiliation. The other was a a Scottish rock band, Nazareth, which doesn't really fit in with Ulrich's aesthetic. So I was kind of taking, this is my theory, taking Nazareth at, um, not as the band, but point blank, you know, a show clue. Um, you know, Nazareth, of course, is an important place in the life of Jesus. Then he was listening to the band Creator. And if you just take the name of the band at face value, it's, the it's you know, the Creator, of course, God. And then, you know, he has no future on his back, which you might think is the Sex Pistols, but it seems like it's more linked in with the, uh, with the town and the nuclear power plant. So... I don't know. That's I, I, that's interesting to me. That you know, I'm, I'm glad we <laughs> well, looked that up. Those are some wild. Those are some wild leaps of logic there, Steve. But okay. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking these showrunners are putting these things in there for us to pick up. So I don't think it's just yes. because they like Nazareth. Because Nazareth is a you know I don't know I don't really give them much credit. They just a rock and roll bar band basically. So I would just take it for their name. At any rate, that painting that you were asking about a Mm -hmm. lot, which is in the household of the Dopplers, we found out that was called um, Spiral Folder Number 3 is what that's called. And there's 250 prints out there of that. And it's by an artist named Niels McComb. And so, you know, those prints are available online. I don't know how many prints are left, but 250 were were made up however long ago. It was painted in 1978. So, you know, it wasn't painted for the show. So I guess Mm -hmm. somebody involved in the show dug it. Yes, they liked it and thought it fit. Um, We remember that, you know, in 1899, there was that Wolf and the Lamb painting and they Mm -hmm. put it in and got inspired by a line. Um, So it's, I feel like it's still significant just because they chose it and maybe saw something in it. We We were talking about the Doppler family and how some of the things in the picture could represent the Doppler family and sort of doubling and families within families femininity inside of masculinity and mm-hmm. so yeah i'm glad we found the actual painting it would have been cool if it had been a german artist i, I don't know what nationality the artist was but oh, oh well. german yeah german oh german yes okay yeah so it is cool okay it is, <laughs> you got your it's wish cool again. <laughs> <laughs> let's see one, one thing that happened last episode i think or maybe it was episode before um when martha was on stage practicing you know and she was given that speech and she was talking about um in the speech it was about her mom and her dad like and how cruel they were like in the past Mm -hmm. and I think that rears its head in this episode where we start out the episode with her mom and dad being indeed cruel to Regina here at the very beginning 
So I think that was a callback to, I mean, in my mind, that was a callback to that speech. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it definitely does have callbacks. I remember the segment, we have another segment in this episode that gets into the play, mm-hmm. but the segment last time was about a girl that grew up with a mother who was abusive and the mother is part of her anger comes from what her what she remembers about her father or her husband okay. at the time and so um and that was at the same time they were showing the scenes of Lorik and Katarina mm. having sex for the first time so there's there's many ways we can interpret those words but it's it mm-hmm. is a neat scene and it continues in this episode because there's another speech that Martha makes yeah. that has even more but yeah yeah, she's speech heavy. That. Like this, this mm-hmm. is play for her is it's kind of a big thing in her life right now. It's 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 heavy. Mm-hmm. I guess the last thing yep. I had before we get, I'm sorry, did I did I interrupt you? Nope. Okay. Yeah. Um, I guess the last thing I wanted to point out is we didn't see a, a lot of the stranger in this episode. I don't think we saw him at all. I just wanted to mention that you know we haven't been speculating who the stranger is and how he ties in to the story. We've just been you know, noticing how he's helping um, Jonas out a lot and, you know, noticing how he's creepy and stuff like that. Um, The reason we're not speculating is because we both already know and it would just be kind of, you know, ingenuous, I guess, to to speculate. We're not doing that for like a a show or anything like that. So, um, you know, I hope somebody listening that that is not aware, you know, of how The Stranger ties in, you know, your wish is going to come true in the next few episodes here. Um, but that is why we haven't really been speculating about him a whole lot. Um, but if you've been reading Lindsay's... So, Steve... Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm curious why you mentioned that. Did somebody ask you why we haven't talked about it? Um, Maybe. I don't think so, not directly, but I think it's just <laughs> okay, something I've been okay. thinking about. Maybe I listened back to the episodes and I've been thinking it to myself. <clears throat> and I've been, mm-hmm. anytime I listen to the episode, I try to listen as a listener. It's hard to do, but I do try to do that. And so, you know, I know when I watch my shows and listen to my podcasts, I have a lot of questions in my mind. And I like it when the podcasters have the same questions. And, you know, that's the reason that we don't have that question and we're not talking about it. But um, I was getting ready to say, if anybody's been looking at Lindsay's recaps at oneofmystories.com, you know, I always just look at your recap, but after her recaps, she has like a wrap up. Um, she has like speculation questions at the end, speculations and no offense. I never, I never look at those personally because I know we're going to be podcasting every week. Um, but anybody who's listening, you know, can like read along with those and she has like comments from people and she's responding to them. So there's a lot of stuff on there. That's a value. Um, and YouTube, don't forget Lindsay's YouTubes. Um, you're listening to this more than likely on my podcast, Sweet Child of Time. But if you're more apt to do YouTubes, um, one of my stories does these same episodes on on that platform. So I'm not on that platform personally, switch out of time, but one of my stories is. And that's all my talking for this week right now. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry I had a long intro like I usually do, but I'm ready to get on to recap unless you had something that you wanted to bring up too from the previous weeks. No, that was very efficient. And it was a nice kind of review about things we where we left things off, I think. But yeah, to your point, 
when there's things, there are things that Steve doesn't remember, for instance, or maybe didn't absorb in his watch. Mm-hmm. So we do, we do speculate on some things. For instance, one of the things that comes up in this episode, which is the identity of of the boy wearing right. the yellow sweatshirt. And at the time, if you listened to that episode when we talked about that, which I think was the second or third episode. Mm-hmm. Steve goes on a very lengthy rant about um, how he and his wife, Heather, were arguing about the identity of the boy. And so I was very good not to really pitch in my opinion because we want to watch these along with you as if we're discovering it for the first time. But yeah, if I know something, I'm not going to guess at it but if it's it could if it's a topic we could present it as like well what are some thoughts you might have about but yeah but it's just too easy sometimes to to give accidentally give away spoilers so we want to watch along with you wherever you are as a viewer yeah right on and so yeah let's get into it um this one's called sick mundus creatist est um some latin for us and that's the name of our episode, episode six. You want to get us started, Lindsay? Right, yes. So the episode opens from inside a cave looking out. It's dark outside, and we see a figure tied to a tree. And it's Regina Tiedemann as a teenager in 1986. I really liked her shoelaces, Steve. Um, I don't know if you noticed her rainbow-colored shoelaces. I didn't get a look at what her shoes were, but this might have been Reeboks. I don't know. Um, but she is, she looks really scared and calls out, Katerina, Ulrich, it's not funny anymore. Right. And there's strange noises coming from the caves. Um, back in 2019, then older Regina wakes up screaming. She's next to her husband and he assures her that everything is all right. She asks him, please tell me everything's all right. And he complies and says everything is all right (laughs) good boy (laughs) and some things click in place here i think with the relationship between regina and katarina and ulrich and why it is so contentious and Mm -hmm. bitter i was yeah thoughts about this opening oh exactly that this gave me like a huge revelation into you know adult regina big time um, and knowing that it was Ulrich and Katarina that did it to her. Um, and at the time, mm-hmm. the first time seeing this, you don't know why. Like later on in the episode, you do figure out why they did it. And it's it obviously was the two of them, those culprits. Um, but yeah, it does it does give you a big light on her character. And it, you know, even though like at this first scene, Alexander is like a little bit wooden, like comforting her, you know, at least he's there. I mean, and he is comforting mm-hmm. her. So he's not like giving her the stare down and saying no, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, like he does to Ulrich. So, yeah, he's a pretty strict boss we've seen, <laughs> but he seems to be a very supportive husband, especially yeah. when compared to some of the other husbands uh-huh. we've met on this show so far, whether they are. Um, cheating on their wives or emotionally absent. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, you know, there's different ways you can be a bad husband. Um, but Alexander seems to be, by all accounts, a very supportive one. 
Something I want to talk about briefly before we move forward is this event with Regina. Okay. One of, we know, and that, you know, we find out that she has gotten this mammogram with results that confirm that she does have cancer. Right. And that she needs to start some aggressive treatments. Mm Mm-hmm. One of my theories or thoughts or speculations about this event, which I can't really explain why I think this, but it almost makes me feel like this event of getting tied to the tree for some reason led to her cancer. Really? Oh, you mean because she was like so close to like the maybe like the radiation barrels or something? Right. We've seen many clues up to this point that lead us to believe that there's dangerous things that are in the air (laughs) based you know from only these five episodes we know there's radiation we know there's toxins we know there's uncontained yeah toxins in the air and it's nothing logical I can point to. Well, mm-hmm. she was tied to a tree, and so... Um, <laughs> but it, it's it's just an interesting scene, and we wonder... I guess one of the mm. part, parts of me wonder if this is the first time this has happened, if it's a lone incident. But they bring attention to this event in such a way that it almost... You know, it just it becomes a thing the same way that it becomes a thing that Jonas goes to the caves and it's a ceremony almost. She's tied to the tree. She has the they put oh my goodness black <laughs> stuff on her face, right? Like war paint. You know, um, I was going to bring this up later, but the guy in the play had that black paint across his face in the play and then the kids who get chaired they get that black marks across their face as well Mm. and then having her tied up to the tree it makes me think about like that greek myth of the person tied to the tree and then the water like you know envelops them over time i can't remember Mm. which um you know greek tragedy that was but it was one of them and yeah i mean her being tied to the tree means that she's exposed to that area longer um I don't know if you're right or not, but it kind of, you know, yeah. I'll go along with you. I mean, I don't know if this is the first time this happened or not, but I mean, I we absolutely, know that absolutely bad things hmm? happen. We know that bad things happen near those caves. Absolutely. Every time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and also, I guess it's like how it's done with how the episode opens from inside the cave. It looks out and as she's sitting there, these strange noises are coming yeah. out of the cave. It's like a p- ominous presence of evil. It's menacing, And she was yeah. exposed to it for who knows how long before she was discovered tied to this tree. Like, how, how, how do we know how long she stayed out there? Yeah. Okay. I mean, we're talking about Regina a lot here. I'm also thinking <laughs> about um, when, when Mrs. Uh, Talk Radio was in the car and she was talking about how, like... Um, I think she mentioned the word cancer when she was talking about people mm-hmm. and how, you yeah. know, it, it's it's enveloping people and Regina's a victim here. Absolutely. Um, 
I have a lot I want to just say about her later, probably similar to what we're saying now. <laughs> but um, yeah, we can I feel hold a some lot... of it off. But it's just a, it's yeah, a powerful intro. It is, and it, it, this episode is like the Regina episode. It like opens up, you know, your world about her. Mm-hmm. Right. So after the credits, we open on an overhead shot of the town, and Charlotte is giving everybody a speech at the police station. Mm-hmm. There's now one boy dead and three missing. It's good that they give us these reviews. So we, it is. You know, like, I love it. As we go along. <laughs> and the search is now going to be widened to include cases from the last 50 years. Thank goodness. Finally. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, her voice continues speaking and the camera pans to a class picture on the walls of the school. It's labeled mm-hmm. 1987 and there's Mickle. Right there, clear as day, on one of those photos that's in the glass case of the high school. Yep. Where his where his mother, the principal, walked by every day every and day. never noticed <laughs> that her son is in is in this photo. Um, but also um, in the her speech. In Charlotte's speech, it didn't. I couldn't help but think about the fugitive when, um, when Tommy, Tommy Lee Jones, he's like, "I want you to search every outhouse and doghouse and <laughs> hen house you know, and yeah, yeah." She's like, "Start near the houses where the children disappeared. Go to everybody's door." And she's kind of giving giving everybody the marching orders of yeah. they need to keep going. So she's in charge uh, uh, and she's ordering double shifts and she wants us to get done. She's taking it seriously. So yeah, those right. crowds outside that are protesting can relax because they're really taking it serious now. And in this class photo, Steve, mm-hmm. everybody is smiling except Mickle, just like in the family photo. Huh. I mean, I did notice that Mickle did look forlorn and, you know, mm-hmm. kind of had like that lost look about him, but I didn't notice everybody else was smiling. It's a great catch. And I've seen this episode like six times now. <laughs> I keep watching it over and over and over again, and there's still stuff I'm missing. Jeez. I know, Steve. I'm such a nerd. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm right there with you. Um, so in the last episode, Jonas read this letter from his father confessing that he was actually Mikkel grown up. Mm-hmm. And now Jonas and Hannah are sitting at the kitchen table having one of their fireside chats <laughs> um <laughs> hannah's still wearing her red sweater of course yes this feels very much like a continuation of that scene where they were sitting on the they were sitting on the counter together i would disagree a little bit because it seems like hannah's okay. a little detached from it it doesn't seem like she's as like into the conversation this time as she was when they were sitting in the kitchen when the lights were off I, I still feel like she was detached, but the I guess the point I'm making is that Jonas is trying to kind of get dig deeper about his father. He's just gotten this reveal. Yeah. So he's asking with new information from what he was, and you get the sense that he almost wants to tell her because... Yeah, absolutely. Um, he asks her, like, where they met, what he was like... And she tells him they met at the hospital and that his leg was broken. Mm-hmm. That's all she remembers. Remember, his shoulder was also <laughs> dislocated. Um, and 
that it, I think also once with, with our new information also that this is her husband, she doesn't know that yet, but we do, and Jonas does, that we are now beginning to also see why maybe her relationship with him was a little strained as well, and my, why she might have wanted to have an affair with Ulrich. Yes, she was always in love with Ulrich, but his distress probably caused him to be emotionally unavailable as well. She calls him strange Mm -hmm. and different, and you get the sense that maybe he was a mystery to her all these years. Sure, and to all of us. Um, I can't blame him one bit for that. I mean, that makes total sense, and you probably know i mean i don't i don't know but you know we have he has this vibe with like his um you know surrogate nurse slash maybe new mom um (laughs) inez Mm -hmm. he he still hasn't spoken to her yet that we know of so you know Mm -hmm. he's coming into this like new world as like a what 11 year old boy but also a very confused and you know like you said damaged 11 year old boy after what he's gone through. Um, and Jonas here is obviously searching for answers from his mom. He doesn't want to ask her directly, but he is looking for answers. And he goes searching for them later. It's like he's on the hero's journey in this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So at the police station, Ulrich has finally decided to be an actual detective and <laughs> look at some evidence. Yes. And <laughs> we're, we're making fun of Ulrich, but he, he has, ever since Michael has gone missing, he has been picking up the, picking up the uh, training a little better. You know? So he goes to the evidence box from 1986 and locates the file marked Mads Nielsen. He listens to a tape recording where his Egon interviewed his mother and was asking pointed questions about um, what, you know, the night that Mads went missing, and he hears Yana say that Trant was at home with the family. Ulrich's face registers surprise because he knows and remembers that his father was not there that night. And I also noticed that Yana mentions that Mads went to fencing class on Thursday nights. And okay. in episode, the episode we meet Regina, we find out Regina takes fencing lessons. So we sort of know how those two were friends and knew each other as well. Right, okay. And yeah, Ulrich is uh, probably, out of everybody who's searching for the missing child cases going back 50 years, he's probably on the best one. So <laughs> Godspeed with you. You're, you're doing the right <laughs> thing here, Ulrich. Um, but yeah, the next few scenes are pretty Ulrich heavy, aren't they? Yeah. So Ulrich drives to his parents' house to confront his father, Trant. He remembers that Trant was not home that night, just like we said. Mm-hmm. And he reveals that the dead body was dressed like the 1980s and that he suspects the same perpetrator kidnapped both of the boys. He wants to know where his dad was that night. Right. Trant is genuinely offended and surprised that his son would dare to, you know, to accuse him of this. Right. And, um, But yes. he's got every right to. Come on. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but he shouldn't grab him by the face, though. That was pretty intense, that face grabbing. 
Well, I mean, it, Ulrich likes to put his hands on people. <laughs> As we learn. Yeah. <laughs> um, I th- okay, you, you bring this up later on in your next paragraph, so I'm not going to say it yet. So I'll let you continue. Yeah. Um, I also noticed here, Steve, this is where I noticed that birthmark on Tron's head that okay. I mentioned to you before. And this is this is a mark I've always seen on that gentleman. But then when I find um, we've we've met Trant in the 1980s so far, and I went back and looked at his pictures, I didn't really see a mark on his head. So then I thought, well, is it the actor? Is this like a marking on him? And they decided to just not cover it up. But then. When I go and look at pictures of the actor, mm-hmm. he doesn't have a birthmark. So the birthmark was put on for the show. Right. And I, I mentioned this to you today in our private DM. And you had some you had some notes from some theories you had found about this about this mark. Um, but well, it kind of involves. One of them involves a spoiler because yeah. it talks about something that happens in a later season. Another one, um, just basically, it sounds like the most feasible option, which is that when he was younger, his hair was longer or something, and it was styled differently, so it hid that birthmark. Um, I don't know which one I buy because you know, I, I the red, the dark Reddit, the dark subreddit, it's pretty easy to search. You know, you just search up keywords mm-hmm. like "tront" and "birthmark," and you come upon like any comment that anybody made at any given time and i only found about five and Mm -hmm. all all of them basically point to the same thing that the actor does not have that birthmark the birthmark is a prosthetic for the show and nobody's exactly what to make of it with the exception of the one spoiler so yeah fast forward to the next few seasons (laughs) yeah one thing I also noticed is that he, Ulrich asked his dad, did Egon ever have any suspects? Right. And his dad says, Egon was an idiot right. and he just wanted to retire. And so I found that intriguing because I wondered if, I've always thought all along that Ulrich's prejudice towards Egon was all his own making. But now... Um, now I'm kind of wondering if he was tainted perhaps by his father's opinion as well. Sure. Because his father seems to genuinely <laughs> despise Egon as well. And we know that Trant had an affair and was covering up. So he seems like the type of people, person that easily throws under people on the bu- under the bus when he mm-hmm. needs to make a quick escape or have an <laughs> excuse for why it's not his fault. So it's, it's, did that, did he pass that tendency down to his son? I mean, absolutely. It seems like it. And look at these parallels. I mean, you, you're going to bring it up next. Can I bring up the parallels now? (laughs) (laughs) I'm itching to say it so bad. Sure, go ahead, go ahead. Oh yeah. The same night that Mads disappeared, Trant was supposedly out having an affair with Claudia Mm -hmm. Um, we need to see more Claudia. We haven't seen her for a long time. And then on the night that Mads disappeared, that's 
isn't that where our boy was? Our boy Ulrich was making out with Hannah that night. Um, that's a huge parallel to show you mm -hmm. that every 33 years, everything aligns and all the Nielsen yeah. boys will cheat and then another Nielsen boy will disappear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, Yana is reminiscing about the the way the boys would fight about their toy figurines. She's another one I really feel for, too, this episode. Yeah. But, you know, Ulrich is really, back to your point before I finish with that story, actually. Ulrich's real point is here is he wants to know, the reason he suspects his dad is because he knows his dad was not home that night. So where were you, dad? Right. And he was also possibly absent the night that Mickle disappeared. Who Trump so was? Yes. Or, you know, because he right, says, right, where right. were you the night that Mickle disappeared? And then Yana says, well, he was here. Where else would he be? Well, Ulrich already knows his mother lies to cover up his father. So he's curious about why his mother keeps covering for his dad. Like sure. what would what would inspire her to do that? And you know, we never really get an answer. Not this about episode, that anyway. question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she she does tell him that she wanted to leave Trant at one point and that the night Mads went missing, he was with another woman that he had had affairs before, but that night he was with Claudia. And then he also, then she also says the last person Mads talked to is Regina. Right, right. Now I think that's that's kind of an interesting thing for her to say because how does she know? It seems like speculation because I guess Egon probably questioned people and has made a timeline. So he knows that this person talked to Mickle at this time or whatever, but mm -hmm. who really knows who the last person was <laughs> that Mads spoke to? If somebody else spoke to Mads after Regina, how would, isn't I it possible? I guess you're right. I mean, they made it pretty clear in this episode that Regina was the last mm -hmm. one, so I didn't even question it. So I'm sorry, I was mm -hmm. a little conformist and. <laughs> like the murderer. <laughs> if there was a murderer, that person might have spoken to him after Regina, but Absolutely, the murderer you're right. is, out to, is out to lunch, so we don't know who that person was. True, yeah. Yeah. But there's a story that there's a story that the the boys were fighting and right right um, about over those figurines that we've seen and that Mads fell through a glass table but he only got one tiny cut on his chin tiny cut on his chin that's right yeah they made a point to talk about that and great tie in later mm-hmm. And yeah, I want to see more of Claudia. Where is she at? Like we, we, she was so featured, so dominantly featured that one 1986 episode, and all we get is a couple mentions over here. So I'm looking for yeah. another Claudia episode. Saying we don't see the stranger, you know, they can't, they can't feature everybody of what happens with like a Fast and Furious movie that everybody gets uh, yeah. five minutes, Steve. I guess so. What'd you get with an ensemble <laughs> cast? I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Should I go on or do you have any other notes for up until this point? Nope. I'm with you. Okay. Just wanted to double check. Okay. So at the Nielsen house, Katarina is in the family room as Magnus and Marta come downstairs 
and she wants to know where they're going and they're going to go to school. She tries <laughs> to stop them. It's only been four days since your brother went missing. And Marta says, I have a school play to go to. Right. Magnus says he's going to school. Ha ha ha, Magnus. <laughs> also, he's just, you know, the, the, the kids love to lie to their parents. Nobody um, goes to school ever. And the principal's <laughs> not there, not paying attention. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This was, I felt like this was an odd scene just because we know they haven't been home. They're making it sound like their mother has said, I mean, maybe some time has passed since our last episodes. Sure. But we know they've been out. Martha went to play practice last week. That's true. Um, That's true. So it was it was kind of interesting that the way that they there seemed to be genuine hostility here too. Like the last I, episode we saw with Martha, she and her mother were kind of sitting there bonding, having a conversation about how when how, was, how old was dad when his brother went missing. You know, they were kind of having that bonding moment. And here it's like, <clears throat> you know, it's not all about you, Marta. And and her, she's, Marta's saying her mom is blind and kind of selfish too. So it was, it, it was like, okay, where is this coming from? Is this genuine? They really are angry at each other? Or is this just how a sign or a symptom of the fact that this family is not united and they've all been dealing with things in their oh. own way? Um, I kind of didn't see it that way. I kind of think that when we saw her talking with Marta, her being Katerina and Marta, and they were having that bonding moment, that was very soon after Mikkel disappeared. I think since then, Katerina's been in her own head and she hasn't been paying attention to what's been going on in the household. And this might be the first time she's like looked up and noticed that her kids are actually doing things. I think that's mm-hmm. what's happening here is that, that, you know, they have been doing their thing but she's just been so self-absorbed. She just assumes that they've been in the house moping just like her. So I think that she, this is like her snap to awareness episode where she's like, oh, <laughs> things are happening. Mm-hmm. And well, then things really happen <laughs> when she really mm-hmm. becomes aware. Um, this played right. out pretty interestingly. So th- what happens is that Marta basically says Mickle's dead. Yeah. And Katerina gives her a big old slap. Big old one. Yes. Big old slap. But then um, Magnus yeah. gives her a big old hug. Magnus comes in. He swoops in with being the nice guy routine, the good son. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. It was... I don't know how to read this scene really it's i was i'm trying to track everybody's emotional path and i feel like with marta i do feel like she's self-absorbed in that she's i feel like she's mostly upset about jonas right now <laughs> you know she wants to make out with him some more <laughs> jonas is busy and occupied with his own search or maybe she's really preoccupied with the play too, because I mean, she definitely has memorized her lines and she's definitely been doing her homework for that. So maybe she's been immersing, immersing herself, immersing <laughs> herself in that. Um, I thought this scene did play out very melodramatically as well. Um, mm-hmm. And again, it did remind me of like a melodrama or something, but 
compared to some other shows I've seen on TV, this is this is pretty you know standard stuff, standard emotions. Um, I didn't really quite. Un- I mean, Magnus seemed like he was kind of numb to things that everybody else was feeling, and I think that the only thing he could do was just you know comfort his mom a little yeah. bit. He comforts Marta a little bit later. Um, yeah. I think he's preoccupied as well with something else. Yeah, they're all preoccupied. I mean, Katerina knows her husband cheated on her, and Magnus is preoccupied with what Francisca's doing. Mm-hmm. I think Magnus is trying to maybe be a little more present because he feels guilt, a lot of guilt about right. how he how he treated Mikkel. Um, but yeah, it was it was interesting how, seeing how it all played out and that they're. They're all kind of at each other's throats in a way. But Magnus just steps in. He doesn't, he also doesn't stay home though. He still goes to school. <laughs> he like gives her the hug, but he leaves. You know, he sets boundaries. Yeah. Um, that's so. right. <laughs> but uh, this is another instance where we're seeing the violence of this family. Yeah. Um, like, yeah. Yeah. Like, like dad, like mom. Pretty much just them. <laughs> like, I, mean, mm-hmm. I mean, Magnus does the playing around hitting thing with Nickel, but, you know, we determined that was more of a sibling thing. Yeah. But, yeah, the parents are off, off the chain, as they say. <laughs> right. But then we've seen other signs kind of come up with, we see Katerina had a black eye from some unknown person. Right, that's true. So she's possibly being abused. So is there is there a cycle of abuse in this family? I mean, she's Marta said something. Katerina snapped, slapped her. But was this just you know? So it might be just a losing a temper. But she also didn't really say I'm sorry. Nope. She and then did we not. see how easy Katerina gets set off later too. But we'll get there when we get there. But Katerina likes to hit people. So yes, yeah, she does. She, she hasn't hit Hannah though. Yet. Yet. <laughs> that's right. That's that's who she, I know. She should be hitting old work if anybody. <laughs> yeah. Let me get us a break there before we move on to our next scene, okay? Okay. We'll be right back. Hey guys, it's Michael. Roy. And Travis. With the Bad Potatoes Podcast. We talk about movies, pop culture, and TV but mostly movies. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Spotify by searching the Bad Potatoes Pod. You can also find us on Instagram at Bad Potatoes Pod, on Twitter at the Bad Potatoes Pod underscore, and on YouTube at Bad Potatoes Podcast. Please comment, follow, listen, subscribe, and don't forget to smash potato that like button. We appreciate it. And like I said, I'm back. Hello again, Lindsay. Hello, Steve. <laughs> and where are we next? We are going to be checking in with We're ready to Regina, see Regina right? open some mail. Yeah, mail's here. <laughs> it's the results from the mammography screening. We don't see the results, but she's very upset. Yeah. She calls Alexander, but she gets his voicemail and hangs up. I guess she's not sure what she wants to say to him. And we're suspecting it's bad news. That's right. And 
Yeah, I don't think there's much to say about this scene besides what you just said, because we're going to learn more about this later on. Um, unless I, I didn't really notice anything noteworthy about this short one, did you? The only other thing I wanted to point out is re- I'm really liking Regina's shirts. I don't know if you've noticed her interesting shirts. I have, this yeah. one has the bird feathers on it. The last shirt she wore had a bunch of triangles. Yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> I forgot the, to point the, it out to you, though. I did write it down somewhere, but I forgot to say it. Yeah. I don't know how it all ties in, but we have seen a lot of bird motifs in the show so far with the dead birds. Right. And also we have now Francisca has a bird pendant that that Magnus finds and there's the bird sweater that Francisca has as well. So there's there seems to be some something about birds our happening in the show. Our fine feathered friends, yes. <laughs> So back at the Conwell residence, Jonas is looking at his own letter, right. his own piece of mail that he's received, the letter from his father that's all beat up. Yep. And he gets up and looks at the map that is in his desk drawer, and he notices the new marking in red, bright red ball, you know, Sharpie pen <laughs> that <laughs> says, follow the signal. He looks behind him as if, like, the, the person's going to be, like, right there. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. I mean, I would be afraid. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, who wrote this? What's this? But I'm going to go check it out. This is definitely the hero's journey stuff. And, you know, he's, it says follow the signal. They gave him a little, mm-hmm. um, what is that, bat signal thing to, what did you, what did you call it? You, a Geiger counter? A Geiger Ge- counter. Yeah, there you go. So that's going to so come in handy for him. all of his supplies. He's a regular Boy Scout at this point. And he's got his map. He's got his globe light. He's got the letter. He's got the Geiger counter. He puts everything in that backpack and takes off. <laughs> and I, we, I, we do know now why he always <laughs> has his flashlight on when he goes into the cave. is because he wants to be a dark knight, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Magnus is has ditched school again. Of course. And stops by the railroad tracks to look at the metal box that Franziska visits regularly. He looks inside the box, and it's empty. Yep. I'm glad it's empty. Yeah. <laughs> so continuing further down, he finds a blanket and a dirty mattress yeah. and used condoms. And the pendant Francisca always wears. And we can see he's assuming the worst. It's, I, what else would you assume with all those clues? What else would you possibly assume? I mean, can you think of anything else that you would assume? Well, I mean, yes, the evidence is all there, but at the same time, Magnus, get a life, guys. Stop, <laughs> all he's doing is stalking Francisca does he have anything else to do he's got and this is not how you treat a girl you like anyway (laughs) good fair point (laughs) maybe in Wyndon that's how they do it I don't know (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
but I know, you know, Charlotte will miss like a day or two from school and then it will, will create like a waterfall mm -hmm. effect of like missed assignments and makeup work and, you know, having to run around and make up everything she's done. The grades will slip when that happens and it happens all too often. So anytime I watch these kids in any show, but this show in particular, where they're not in school, they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, skipping class, he's been out for four days. I'm like, his grades are terrible. His, this is gonna be really hard to make up. <laughs> he's going to summer school, I know it. <laughs> Dear viewer, just realized that Steve means Charlotte, his daughter, yes. and not Charlotte Doppler, because every time you say Charlotte, it jolts <laughs> me for a second. I'm like, uh, all the assignments that she missed. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, I should clarify more often. I guess I talk about her every episode, so, you know. You do, you do. I actually caught on after yeah. two sentences this time. So our five regular listeners know who Charlotte is. <laughs> All right, so then next we go to school where Marta is in her dressing room standing right. in front of the mirror to make sure her costume looks right. Yes. She's wearing the red cord and putting on that red lipstick <laughs> that all the ladies seem to like wearing in this show. So Bartosh walks in and immediately goes in for the kiss. <laughs> That was normal, and though. That's normal to like, you know, he hasn't seen her for a few days. So that's normal, I would say. That's true. But the way he did it, the way he did it was yes. so gross. <laughs> it was like, uh, like a hungry, hungry hippo. I mean, it wasn't. You got to wait for the, the body language, the signal to go like you go in for the kiss and you you wait for the body language and her body language was screaming step <laughs> off brah <laughs> it's true but he had to overstep because if he hadn't overstepped and if he was more respectful and thoughtful then you know she'd be hanging out he with him more often <laughs> yeah there you go Just, yeah um so he wants to know why she hasn't returned his calls and and he's making assumptions that she's probably mad at him and maybe blames him. So he starts to like basically preemptively apologize for everything he's ever done. Sure. And, and, um, you know, is she mad at him? And, you know, he just flat out asks her and mm -hmm. she looks at him and says no, or like shakes her head. And then he immediately tries to go in for that kiss again, Steve. Yeah, because he that that one was a little a little forced. Yeah. Because her language was very stoic, and then like as soon yeah. as she gives like the slightest smile, is like no, everything's good. Little half mm -hmm. smile. He's like in there already. So yeah, I agree that second one was a bad move. Mm-hmm. March is just kind of like I need to get ready, so I can't really do this right now. And Bartosh offers to what? run away with her. I mean, what? he's ready to go. He's ready to leave town. What is that all about? He's rich. Why would he want to run away? What is this, what is this coming from? It's, I, I feel like it's one of those things where you're, you know, you really like this girl. So you're like, what can I do for her that will show her how much I like her? And he's tried... Physical affection that isn't working. He's, he he can see she seems unhappy, so he's trying to think. Well, what might she want? What can I right. do for her? And um, he does everything 
but kind of, you know, really ask her what what she wants. And he's he's even asking for the wrong motives. And Marta right. probably wouldn't tell him anyway. So, yeah, I don't I don't fault him too much for this, <laughs> but um, Bartosh is very hangdog here. And he wants to know, as he leaves the dressing room, he wants to know if she's seen that bastard Jonas. <laughs> because he, uh, she's like, uh, why? Because <laughs> we know what happened last time. She right. did see Jonas. And he tells her that Jonas stood him up the other night. So this is almost, especially with the thing about he wanting to run away, this is almost like a Romeo and Juliet situation with Bartosh and Marta. Do you notice that? That like with their families are at super odds with one another. Mm. And it's like, you know, a Montague Capulet situation as well. I mean, we're already comparing this to the Minotaur and to the hero's journey and might as well throw some Shakespeare in there too. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Doomed lovers. Could you imagine if they got married, what the wedding reception would be like with <laughs> Ulrich there and Regina and Katerina? I don't know about this. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely not a marriage made in heaven. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is this is one of those scenes that makes me just cringe for, for Bartosh and he's continuing his trend of making himself as despicable as possible. But, yeah. I, I guess I would disagree about despicable as possible, but yes. <laughs> I mean, it's I mean it's not looking good for him, but I'm not hating him the same way that like I'm hating on Trant or Ulrich. It's just mm. both Bartosh is just annoying I guess. Well, I feel, I guess it, it's like you kind of, the, the reason it's annoying is because you want him to be better. You want him to be be more respectful towards himself. And when somebody's, somebody's kind of rejecting your advances, you don't get all hang-dong about it. You should, <laughs> you should respect yourself. And so it's, okay. I guess it's more like Bartosh, bro, just like kind of back off of Marta right now. It may not be what you thought it was, but he just kind of keeps, he's just like a doomed person. He keeps making the same kind of mistakes over and over again. And I mean, the show is full of people that do that, right? They work against their best interests. And yeah. so when people do that for too long, you start to just look down on them. And it's not that Bartosh is a bad guy. I'm just like, yeah, we know she's, a, she's, hooked on somebody else yeah so he's fighting a losing he's fighting a losing battle yeah and he gets in his own way too much that's right yep so Jonas is now ready to enter the caves it's a very short we just see him go in and then we cut to Katarina she comes back into the house and she's been out all day hanging up signs right and for some reason, her eyes alight upon her phone bill, the phone bill for Ulrich. And she notices a bunch of phone numbers and decides to call the number. And somebody answers. <laughs> that somebody is Hannah. And, uh, oh. Yeah. To make it worse, she says Ulrich. That's the worst yeah, thing Hannah could have said in that Ulrich? moment. Ulrich? 
I couldn't help but notice the red bra was showing in this mm-hmm. scene. Yep. And also, Katarina was wearing an awful lot of red as well. And Magnus mm-hmm. has always got that red hoodie rocking. But in this scene in particular, they both have red. I didn't know if that was a coincidence yeah. or if that's just a wardrobe choice. Yeah, the red is starting to pop up more. Hannah is not wearing, she was wearing all the blues, the kind of quiet blues before, the neutral colors, and now she's starting to wear more of the red. Magnus was always crazy about the black hoodie, now he's got this red hoodie. Yeah. Um, and we see other, obviously a lot more red in the show with the red, the red cord, the red thread. Oh. And the red lipstick. In our next so. scene, like the next scene, we're going to take, you're going to take us to the Wyndon Hotel, which is like covered in all that red wallpaper. It's like bright red in the whole room. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. So Ulrich enters the Wyndon Hotel and this is like the ultimate showdown. It is. Right here. This is like a Western. You're right. <laughs> yeah. And the musical cues like call for that. Mm-hmm. Regina's working at the desk and looks up. It's almost like you could hear her say, oh, it's you. <laughs> yep. She doesn't, but, but that's kind of what I, you can tell her face just screams that. Mm-hmm. Ulrich just comes in ready to investigate Regina as if she's a suspect in a murder case. And I guess she is. Yeah, it's legit questioning, except he, you know, comes at her kind of odd. Because <laughs> they have that contentious relationship that yeah. we understand now. Um, she wants. He wants to know if there's some anything unusual from the night Maz disappeared. She's like, "Hey, that was thirty years ago. Why are you asking me this now?" And he asks if she knew that their parents were having an affair. And Cla- uh, Claudia, ooh, I need to change that. Claudia nods. Nope, nope, nope. Regina nods <laughs> um, with a look of utter disgust on her face. Yep. Oh, that our parents, yeah, our parents were hooking up. And isn't that gross of my mother? How could she dare to touch a Nielsen? <laughs> so that's the angle you're angry about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so Regina is now, uh, yeah, this is just full of malice, this whole thing. It really is. Regina mentions how nice Mads was. And that she always wondered why he died instead or disappeared slash died instead of Ulrich because he was the nicest guy ever. And he started he started walking her home at night because of what Ulrich and Katarina did to her. Yeah. And Ulrich's just not even a little bit apologetic. So he just snaps back that, oh, you just want apology now? Like, what are you expecting from me? And, yeah, then he's revealing his own reason he hates her, which is that she ratted on him so many years ago about the about the rape that did not happen. Yeah. And he didn't know that it was um, Mm -hmm. Regina that did that. So he's oh, no way. He always assumed it was Regina that did that. She didn't know. That's why. That's kind of what she said. She didn't realize mm-hmm. that that's why they hated her so much. Yeah. She thought they were just mean bullies. Right. And they are. 
mean bullies. Um, they were pick, They were always making fun of her before, but it's kind of like you already were picking on this person, so now we have more reasons, more fuel <laughs> to add to the fire. Sure. <laughs> but he basically took Hannah at her word. Hannah said, hey, it was Regina. And, um, you know, uh, Regina just kind of laughs because she's like, that's, you know, first she's shocked that you would think I did that. That's yeah. what it was. Oh, and uh, basically like, no. And then she makes fun of him because of this crush Hannah's had on him all these years. And it would it would have been nice if Ulrich had possibly been a little apologetic here but no um he doesn't really take a moment or even say are you kidding me no he's just on to the next thing he's he's ready to just jet ahead and go visit hannah but this was this scene was pretty awesome and awful so what are your thoughts, Steve? I mean, this I think this might have been, you know, another one of these mid-episode, like, turning point scenes. Yeah, I love the revelation, like, when you can see and hear Ulrich finally realizing, you know, it was Hannah all along. And he's always kind of trusted Hannah, and she's been his sex buddy. So, obviously, he takes comfort in Hannah. Um, and so now he probably feels super betrayed. And... Um, you're right. He just runs off. He has all this energy and he never stops to contemplate or think he's just on to the next thing. And yeah, we, we totally understand Regina now. And like looking back at that first scene, you know, so this is what Katarina and Ulrich did is tied her up to a tree in revenge and possibly exposed her to, you know, some harmful chemicals. Um, mm hmm. Yeah, it was a wild scene. I mean, scene. who knows what else they did? I mean, I'm guessing it wasn't <laughs> pleasant. I'm guessing they didn't just tie her to a tree. Yeah, because, they painted it on her face. Yeah, well, I mean, also, well, we see later Katarina beat the crap out of her. So, <laughs> I mean, isn't it possible they did that when she was a teenager as well? <clears throat> sure, yeah. Going through muscle motions. So, oh yeah, this is how I deal with Regina. I beat I beat her up. <laughs> yeah, I mean I don't. I, I we don't see that, but still, I. It's like she. We remember in the when we saw her in the car at the beginning. She was very. Um, you know, her mother was kind of ragging her about um, about like the way she dresses. She had that very frizzy hair. She wasn't attractive she probably wasn't a popular girl and so she was picked on and uh, people like that are very easy targets for bullies but yeah I hated how Ulrich just um here he didn't even for a second be like you know first he said well kids were kids and then he's just like Oh, it was Hannah? Okay. Well, uh, you know, he didn't even say like, Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm sorry I misjudged you, Regina. This is just like another nail in her day. She's like, you know, I had a bad day last Tuesday, but I didn't have a day like this. Like she's having a, so far her day has gone pretty downhill. Yeah. And she's really very, I don't know what you would call her, the way she acts here. She's very defiant I guess is one way you could say it. 
Yeah. But as soon as he leaves, she, a tear comes down her That's face right. and she kind of wilts. That's right. So it was taking a lot out of her. I noted that the last couple times I watched it too, because you don't really see it because, you know, her, her, her skin is so clear. You can't, you can barely see that tear come down, but mm-hmm. yeah, she's doing it. She's, but she holds it all in and she is defiant. I mean, she'd be good in a, in a courtroom drama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Katerina, um, is in the car listening to the news uh-huh. and the police have revealed that the dead body was found. This is new information they've they've released because before it was supposed to be hidden. Okay. But the news, we remember the news got leaked. So now it's out and they're talking about it on the radio and they want to know if anybody has any information to share. And Katerina calls and basically reads this very ominous message to everybody and... Um, she says there's a sickness in Wyndon. People need to realize there's a murderer among them. And just a, just a few lines from her message. We all know each other. We think we know everything about each other. But do we really? We live next door to people we know almost nothing about. Right. And behind one of those doors is my son. It could be anyone's door. The man behind the cash register. Someone we invited for cake on a Sunday who plays with our children. This city is sick. Wyndon is like a festering wound, and we're all part of it. Yeah, she's into talk radio. I hate this scene. <laughs> and, like, everybody's listening to this, too. I mean, everybody in town is hearing this. So, I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. know what she was hoping to gain from this. I guess just to be cathartic and to get it off of her chest, I suppose. Um, it wasn't great information, but I liked how they overplayed that particular, because I wrote down some of those same lines you just said, but the one they said about having invited somebody over for Sunday to hang out with your kids, that's the same time that we see like Peter and Tront kind of mm. creeping about. Like while she's reading this, you're seeing other scenes. And um, you know, this is the first time we see that Peter and Tront are like hanging out together at that weird bunker. Mm-hmm. It's like, what yeah. are you guys doing? Come on. <laughs> yeah. And there's a man, it might have been one of them, but we saw these feet with rain boots also come out of a house. And this actually starts an interesting series of scenes where there's this recurring theme now of not knowing, really knowing people. And yeah, so I thought that was interesting because this cuts to... This is another instance where my scenes in the recap are slightly out of order just because of how I group things. But um, after this scene, we see the play um, and the one of the characters um, says something to the effect of, well, actually this happens later with, with Hannah and Ulrich, so it's not this scene. But there's this recurring theme of being beguiled or bewitched by somebody and like not seeing the sickness next door and Katerina's speech here is one of the first you know kind of the first things that kicks off this theme so her why her call was kind of weird um you know very 
ominous and somebody somebody compared it. I saw somebody compared this to the comic book. Um, the character in the comic book, um, I can't think of the name right now, but it's the the Moore, Alan Moore comic book. Do you know what I'm talking about, Steve? Um, I'm thinking the Watchmen. The Watchmen, yeah. The character Rorschach. Rorschach. Okay, Rorschach, yeah. Rorschach. How he's like, <laughs> this city is sick and I'm here watching everybody. They were, somebody's comparing <laughs> Katarina to Rorschach. <laughs> yeah, it seems like she's about to become like a supervillain here. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so during the call, Alexander writes home and finds a letter about in her coat pocket and right. pulls it out and makes a phone call and um, is is like we didn't get the results from the test yet and I do hope he's on her privacy policy um, maybe they have HIPAA in Germany but <laughs> they basically that too. <laughs> <laughs> they gave him these test results very quickly but they tell him yes indeed there is cancer and this is after we have we hear the city is sick. Women's like a festering wound. Mm-hmm. She has these. She has this test result that comes back that so she has a festering wound. They right. don't use those words, but um, Ulrich also at the same time they cut to him looking in the evidence room and seeing confirmation that Hannah was the eyewitness in the case against him. So he's right. finding out about another sickness. <laughs> And Tron and Peter, as you said, inside the hatch room, waiting for something to happen. But Alexander makes that makes that phone call and finds out, yes, your wife does have cancer. I think just to make sense of that, I think what happened was she just left the envelope in her pocket, but the letter that had the results she had with her. So all he mm-hmm. had was the envelope to go by. So that's why he gave them a call. Is that right? Yeah, because she had the, we see it, we saw she had the results that she was going to call him. Yeah. And then it's almost like he sees this in her coat pocket and maybe is like, oh yeah. Um, I think it was an empty envelope just that. from the doctors. Yeah. So inside the cave, Jonas begins to breathe heavily. He's been exploring and he finds a red cord that he begins to follow. The yeah. red cord looks very similar to the one found on his bike and he sort of gets stuck at one point and he's looking at this it almost looks like a door knocker that's on the floor yeah that's Um, yeah i've seen those around um james river a lot here in virginia it's like for like a long time ago they had like um you know hooks on the rocks in the river that they would anchor stuff to and I guess in the cave, they did the same thing. So you could do spelunking or like just for safety. That's a pretty common mm-hmm. thing you'll see like in, in rocks. Mm-hmm. And it's cool that, you know, they make use of it with that red rope. I love it. Yeah. And I noticed your red see? nail polish for the listeners. I see that oh. when you're waving <laughs> your hands around, you got some red polish. Which What is your association with Ulrich now? Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> Anybody that's tied up with Ulrich has to start wearing red things. I guess so. No, I just, yeah. Um, he When he gets stuck at this point, because sort of the cord ends, sort of like the sidewalk ends, but he sort of <laughs> yeah. he sort of seems to remember that 
there was the clue to follow the signal. So he pulls out that Geiger counter and starts following that. Then we go to Ulrich, who arrives at Hannah's house, pounding on the door. And Hannah's like, Ulrich, so great to see you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He's really on to her now, though, and pins her against the wall and is like, what do you want with me? He he tells her, I know you were the one that reported on me, and are you trying to ruin my family? What... What is it you want? And she just says, you. And he then makes a mean remark about Michael yeah. being driven to suicide by Hannah's poison. So this, you know, this is another, you know, back to the thing about festering wounds and mm-hmm. and being sick. He says something like, you cuddle up close, but you're just poisonous. And how did your husband survive this long? No wonder he offed himself. Right. Which is very mean and sets off our second slap. Yep. Steve. Slap number two. Okay, let's keep him, <laughs> keep him counted now. And he, as soon as she slapped him, the look he got on his face, it said to me like he deserved it and he knew it. Because he maybe, mm-hmm. you know, maybe his words went a little too far there. Um. But she was just straight up front. Like, this is, I want you. That's exactly what, that's why I've done all this. Just be for you. And mm-hmm. it's not the answer that he wants, but it's an honest answer. Yeah. And he says a few other things, too, that are kind of interesting. He says, I thought I knew you, but I don't know you all. Which, you know, goes back Strangers. to that thing of the stranger behind the door. Yeah, you were really just the stranger and I never knew you at all. So he's really seeing her for the first time, maybe. Right. Who she really is. He sees the truth that she's been manipulative from the beginning. And he really wants nothing to do with that kind of negative energy. He doesn't need it right now anyway. What with Mads, I mean, with Mikkel being gone, um, I'm glad he goes and takes his energy elsewhere and he remembers some stuff in a few minutes here. <laughs> but I think he needs to put that all behind him now. It seems apparent that him and Hannah have no future at this point, I would hope. So I wanted to talk to you about this slap. Okay. Because I heard uh, my friend who came to visit me where we were talking about this show, I told him I was doing the podcast, and he remembered this scene. Oh. He hasn't seen the show in three years, but he <laughs> he told me there's there's this one scene where she slaps Ulrich, and I was like, what are you even talking about? Like, I didn't remember it. <laughs> but he remembered this scene poignantly, and the thing he remembered about it is, for him, he interpreted that as her, Hannah, defending Michael Um, Hmm. because he was saying like even though she loves him meaning Ulrich and she wants this guy he just disrespected her husband and so it's an automatic response for her to slap him whereas I interpret it as she was she was offended that he called her toxic and slapped yeah. her not 
out of any outrage on Michael's behalf, but just the fact that he basically said you basically drove him to suicide. So he was disrespecting her. So I thought that was, it was interesting that he, rem he interpreted it that differently so much that he remembered the scene three years later without watching it. Yeah, sure. So I was curious what your thoughts were about these interpretations or how you see the slap. Okay, I, I agree with your perspective. And so his perspective is completely brand new to me. I never even thought of that. Um, so that's interesting. I mean, I'd like to think that because we don't really know much about the adult Mikkel at this point. So I'd like to see somebody out there defending him. So I, mm -hmm. I want to, I want to agree with him um, that it was in defense of, of Michael. But I mean, honestly, I think that she was just mad and defending herself. Like, how dare you say that about me? Mm -hmm. it, is, it is a pretty low thing to say. So I, yeah. I tend to agree with you on that one. I, I did think it was an interesting take. And, and like you said, yeah. I would like to think that she had some sort of, I think the thing is the discussion came from, we were, we were talking about how, how you can not, you can be angry at a family member and yet still, if somebody else off um, defend, offends them or says something offensive about them, sure. your automatic, like your gut reaction is going to be to defend them. Like only I can pick on my sister, you know, like, and I feel the same way about my hometown when people make fun of my hometown or like Indiana. Yeah. I'm like, I can make fun of Indiana, but not you. <laughs> so butt out. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> and that immediately makes me think about Magnus and Mikkel, like when Bartosh yeah. tried to smack Mikkel and, and Magnus didn't like that. So, mm -hmm. heck yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah. So this is the cut I was thinking about, because after this scene, Ulrich has just said, I never knew you, you're a poison. Mm -hmm. They go to the play and the character with the black charcoal in his eyes mm -hmm. says, You've been listening to the daughter of Minus, and did you think she was virtuous? And he says, you've all been enchanted because everybody has one foot in the shadow and one foot in the light. Right. And I thought that was, I don't know, I just thought that was like a really interesting kind of parallel and also gets back into that concept that I was talking about a worldview. So I, d I don't know, I just like that cut where the guy is like, we just saw Ulrich hating on Hannah and now we've got this character yeah. of Ariadne and that she's not good because she's planning how to kill her own brother. I guess that's something that um, I'm glad you're t bringing this up because it's, it's making me think more about the tie-ins of this scene. Cause you know, of course I picked up the obvious clues, the, um, you know, the red string and the mother and father references, but the Minotaur references is, is getting lost on me. So I'm thinking mm -hmm. if we did like a one-to-one -one comparison, the Minotaur would be Magnus because Magnus is her brother and the one that he's going down to kill. Um, but I don't get the vibe that she and Magnus are, you know, like enemies like that. So, who do you think would be a, a stand-in for the Minotaur and like, you know, our wind in life? It's another one of those cases where I can't really 
talk about oh. that because okay. <laughs> I had like the it would give away a spoiler. Oh well, good. Well, I'm glad I get um, to get the answer later on. Then that gives me hope. <laughs> but it, it, even if you say you can widen the net to like say not a brother but just a family member. Okay. And she also they talk about he's in his maze and now I'm in mine. Um, they have the red cord which she ties around their right. wrist and she says basically like promise me you'll never sever this cord and while this is all going on her and this guy are making this plan of how they're going to trick the minotaur and as this is happening Jonas is continuing to follow the red cord deeper and deeper into the cave so that's that's kind of the cool imagery the thing that's happening right now but it's obvious that the red thread is the guide yeah. To whatever. Yeah. It's great. And the only other thing I have with this scene is she mentioned something about being um, slapped away and ignored by her mother and father. So, mm. you know, I think you're going to go into some parallels here, but I thought it was pretty significant. She was talking about being slapped away when she was just slapped that same day. Yeah. So I do have some notes here about this scene, I guess. <laughs> um Marta is playing the character of Ariadne, the daughter of King Minos. She's also the half-sister of the Minotaur who keeps killing sons and daughters of Athens on the orders of his father. That could make us think about all the kids that keep going missing. Yes. Um, Theseus has been sent to kill the Minotaur. That's the person she's plotting with. And because she falls in love with him, Ariadne helps Theseus. Is he not your brother? One of the tools she gives him is a ball of red thread so that when he goes into the Minotaur's maze, he will be able to find his way out. So, yeah, I don't think that that's basically what we what we already said. Yes. But um, <laughs> it kind of, yeah, I think the, the, the bit about him, keep he keeps killing the sons and daughters of Athens. Right. This is what he's guilty of. So there is a Minotaur loose in Winden. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay, yes, there you go. Um, so back at the bunker, Trant and Peter are talking about the fact that they are waiting for something to happen at 9.17 p.m. Now, Steve, do you remember what time all the weird stuff happened on those early days? I think it was 9.04 is what I want to say. I have the notes right next to me. Okay, maybe it was... Well, there was the letter. Yeah, what what time was the letter supposed to be open? 10.13. Okay, okay, 10.13, okay. Well, 9.17. Something happens at 9.17 as well. Well, I was hoping they would be the same time. That would be cool. Well, no, because Trant's notebook, you saw in his notebook, they were all like Mm -hmm. different times, but they were all around like the 9 p.m., 10 p.m. time frame, Mm -hmm. but they were all slightly different with each other. I did not know that Peter and Trant were buddies. Is this the first time we were seeing them together? Yes. Okay. It is, but it is, but it's, but we kind of knew Peter's feeling guilty about something. Yeah. We also know Trant tends Sneaking to disappear out. a lot at night. Yes. So maybe. He's not always cheating. Maybe there's other things he's doing. I mean, but yeah, he has apparently. that notebook that 
that was in his pocket, his coat pocket that we saw him slip in. So it's yeah, we know they're not cheating because we just established last episode that like Peter is not messing around um, with that individual anymore. Yeah, Trant's going out at night. We don't know what he's doing, but now we know he's hanging out with Peter. So. Th- they're still like the my number one suspicious boys. They're like the wet <laughs> bandits here. So I don't trust them. Um, okay, Jonas comes to a door inside the cave. He's still crawling on his hands and knees. And the door is carved with the strange familiar symbols we've seen of mm-hmm. the trifecta. Like the Led Zeppelin reads, symbol, yeah. Sic mundus creatus est. Yes. Which means, and thus the world began. I've seen a different, I mean, I guess you can translate it different ways. When I put that in my translator, it said, um, this is how the world was created, which might be like a more literal translation um, because mundus Mm -hmm. is world, creatus is create. So um, that's the the title that I kind of stick with, but... um, I wrote a song called that. <laughs> so like, that's yeah. what I like about it. But yeah. Um, I same. think uh, those are, they're the same exact meaning though. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's like so wild. Like just that, that saying on that door. I think mm-hmm. I, t- I think I was talking about this during the 1899 episodes with Nate and just how much this particular scene like just resonated with me and like blew my mind and like, you know, just the mystery of like how that door got there, like who did this iron work? Um, you know, obviously it was done by, you know, a blacksmith or somebody, you know, it wasn't just slapped together by nature. I mean, mm-hmm. it's very deliberate. Yeah. And that symbol, I've always loved that symbol. Like I said, it was like a Led Zeppelin symbol um, for one of those guys. So that has a connotation with me. I mean, yeah, Jonas is stepping through the door. He hasn't stepped through the door yet, but he's seeing the door. It's here. He's here yeah. at the door. <laughs> yeah. No, he does. He like goes. He opens the door, and there's the giant wind. Yes. Because you have this wind tunnel that gets that gets opened. Um, that doesn't get you know once he goes through and it shuts behind him, the wind stops. Right. Which is weird. Which is yeah yeah. Very weird. It is. <laughs> and then we see later on, he's got two paths he could go. And I noticed that right. he went he went right. So I was like, I wonder what happens yeah. if he goes left. <laughs> yeah, he chose a path. You notice he didn't use the Geiger counter here. Right. I, th- I noticed that too. Yes, I was going to ask He you. does use it at one point to make sure he's on the right path. But then when he comes to that fork in the road, you would have thought maybe he would use the Geiger counter right yes. then. Yes. But I guess theoretically they could have the exact same thing, so he, he just had to choose. But yes, there were two paths for him. Yeah, I didn't know if you had some information as to why he chose to go right, because um, it seemed to me that he just made a 50-50 coin toss decision, mm-hmm. didn't consult anything, so I didn't yeah. miss anything. Yeah, I okay. think you're right. He just had to choose one way or the other. He came to a corner, the corner had two paths. You got to choose one, buddy. <laughs> I think the str- I think the stranger should have wrote on that little thing. Here is going to be a fork, and you're going to have to make a choice. <laughs> uh-huh. Yes, yes. He gave him only one clue. You only get one clue. That was a enough. Day. It worked. That was enough. <laughs> um, 
so on the stage, Mar- Martha has broken down crying. Right. She reads her, she's reading her speech about having no brother, no father, and she's alone, and the only judge she has is herself. And she takes her white gown off, and she's now got a black dress underneath. I don't know the significance of that. It might be something right. that happens in the play. I wasn't sure either if like yeah. she decided to strip down and like now she's like, I'm me, or if that was part of the play. I was wondering too if maybe, she, is she supposed to be dying at this point in the play? Yeah, it, may, it makes me want to see Ariadne now. <laughs> I don't know, like to fully appreciate the show, now we're going to have to go find a, pl- a play of Ariadne. <laughs> so if the character dies at that point in the play, that makes total sense. It's a visual representation of her being in black. Mm-hmm. But if it's her getting into her feelings and becoming Marta at that moment and breaking down and crying, that's a completely different interpretation. So I'm, yeah, let's, let's get that play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm putting you in charge of that. <laughs> um, Katerina is so moved that she just runs down the aisle towards her daughter and goes to her, and the lights begin blinking off and on, very mm-hmm. similar to what we've seen before. And it's nine seventeen p.m. We see Trant and Peter looking at their book, and. Uh, yeah, too bad it's not 9.17 p.m. right now, Steve. It's 9.42 p.m., but... Um. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's close. It's pretty close. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I bet you there's a 9.42 somewhere in that book that they have to mark off. <laughs> May 16th, 9.42. <laughs> Let's find it. Okay. Do you need a second break here? Uh, yeah, sure. Let's go for it. We'll be right back. Okay, and we are back, Lindsay, and we're nearing the end of this one here, aren't we? Mm-hmm. We're getting to the good yes. stuff. We're getting to the good stuff, and this episode just ramps up and keeps going till the end. <laughs> it does. <laughs> That's what I've noticed a pattern with our okay. with our episodes. We start out and we're talking like at the beginning. We usually speculate a lot at the beginning, and then like a lot of really intense stuff happens at the very end. So, you know, that's why our podcasts are forced to go on because we can't, we can't sell this stuff at the end short. I mean, it's, it's the best stuff. Yeah. Marta and Katarina walk together to leave the school. They're now, they've made up, which is nice to <laughs> <Kind> see. Kind of. <laughs> they pass Regina who makes, decides to make nasty comments to Katarina about her speech on the radio. And... Katarina ends up, I mean, for to her to her credit, hmm? the first comment Regina makes, Katarina kind of just grabs Marta and keeps going. Right. When she makes the second comment, Katarina drops her purse on the ground and just begins beating the crap out of Regina. And Marta's just like, eh? She doesn't do anything. Yeah, doesn't do a thing. (laughs) Full-blown assault. I mean, big-time assault here. She should be getting Mm -hmm. arrested. She should be getting fired from her job for, like, assaulting a parent on premises. (laughs) I mean, it's this is a big deal. (laughs) I know, this is a huge deal. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This would have gone on possibly longer, but Magnus comes in and 
as policemen here and pulls his mother off of <laughs> of Katerina and Regina says, this is what your mother is really like. Uh, she's right. <laughs> so back to that theme of strangers, strangers, strangers. Oh, yeah. Well, else. not anymore. I mean, we know who she is now. And we see who Magnus is now, too. Like, Magnus comes in and stops the thing from happening. He's, you know, he's our serial peacemaker here. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That seems to be his role. You know, he... I mean, your dad, when your father is sort of absent, the oldest son, I guess, would become the head of the okay. family. Yeah. And try to take on that role. Yeah, That's he's, what he, my, he's got yeah. that side. He's like... He's the perfect huggable size, isn't he? Like, <laughs> yeah, I want a hug from Magnus, especially in that hoodie. No joke. <laughs> or the Vupix jacket. <laughs> not, not the, not the jacket, because it would be all slick and stuff. You couldn't get it. You wouldn't be able to get a good hold on him. <laughs> um, Jonas comes to the fork, and he comes to another door. He comes to another door that looks exactly like the first door. Right. How is this possible? So he then makes his way out of the caves and holds up a globe light astonished. The forest outside the cave looks different. Well, we know that the couch, the yellow chair is missing, mm -hmm. but there are more trees and the land seems to be flourishing right. a lot more. There's more greenery in it. You would think it would be the opposite, but I guess that ties in with our theme. <laughs> what do you mean? I mean, you like, you would think it would be more flourishing as time goes on, and it would get more green and more growth. But instead, mm. the town is not festering. A, not with and the sickness. Exactly. Yeah, the festering wound. Yeah. Um, so back in 2019, Ulrich looks through a photo book. He finds a picture of Mads, and Mads is wearing the sweatshirt we saw in episode one that the dead boy was wearing. Yep. Ulrich's face is alert and we know he's finally beginning to understand the connection between his brother and the dead body. I mean, we were telling him this whole time since episode one. <laughs> he wasn't listening to us though. He never listens to us. Yeah, if only he would listen to this podcast. I know, Magnus listens. <laughs> Magnus listens to us. Why doesn't Ulrich? Come on. Um, Regina arrives home and allows Alexander to hug her. And, you know, again, oh. he's, he's doing a good, a good thing here because she's all beat up. I, I, I teared up watching this scene because she just like just collapses in his arms and she's just bawling. Mm -hmm. And this is what I mean. This is when I should say that she's had a hell of a day. This has been like the worst day of her life. Well, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> um, among the worst days of her life. And I, I couldn't feel for her more here. Like, you know, I wanted to give her a hug, too. And like mm -hmm. I said, I was tearing up as much as she was. It was not as much as she. You know what I mean? It was making me tear up. Yeah. It was, it was touching. It was nice seeing... Her get some comfort. Yeah. From Finally. Alexander. Yeah. <laughs> the music is Enter One by Soul Seppi. I don't have any notes for this song. Did you have anything about this one? No, not particularly. Um, I like the second half of the song much better than the first. 
the first half of the song is fine, but I think like when the when it changes towards the end, it kind of changes the tempo. Um, I really enjoy the second half of this song, but um, I think this yeah. is the song that leads us into Marta and Magnus, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she asked Magnus if they can talk, and. <laughs> The two lie next to each other in bed and talk about what the heck happened between their mom and Regina. <laughs> yeah. I love, I, I remember this yeah. scene from the first time I watched it because this scene really touched me a lot too. I liked mm-hmm. everything about it. What, tell, say more. Okay, like uh, um, the standoffishness of like Magnus. Like she's like, he's like, go away. <laughs> she's like, can I come in? Yeah, I guess. And you know, he's... He's there for her and he's letting her be there and he's like, don't get your cold ass feet on my side, <laughs> but I'm here for you, sis. I'll give you a hug. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. total brother stuff. I like it a lot. It's very authentic. Yes. That's the good word for it. Yeah. But Marta is talking again about how you can never really know who your parents are. Oh, that's right. And what they were like as young people. Yep, and Charlotte. Magnus. I'm yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Was, my was, daughter Charlotte is has been fascinated with that ever since she started high school because she goes to the same high school that um, myself and my wife Heather went to, and you know we're we're pretty open family. You know she knows about like our triumphs and our mistakes and you know all kinds of troubles that we've had in high school and hijinks we've gotten into. So she's pretty fascinated by what kind of characters we were, and she's seen pictures of us and. She thinks we're nuts, and <laughs> I don't know. Like, I like this Martha like speculating about her parents because I think this is the first time she's really done so that she's really starting to think about who her parents really are, um, mm-hmm. or at least like for us, this is the first time she's speculating, which leads me to believe that like this is she is seeing her mom now as like this. Mm, I don't know, not not a perfect mother. Um, what else yeah. do you call, how do you gently call somebody who violently assaults someone? Um, how do you speak softly about that? I don't know. I'm trying hard here. <laughs> yeah, it was, it's quite a thing seeing your, seeing your mom, the principal who has it all together normally. Normally. Just unfurl. Oh, right. Let's think about episode one, Katarina, when she was trying to get order in the household and she was you know, f- mm. trying to fight that fight and trying to get things perfect. And, you know, mm. she was an attentive principal. Yeah. Um, Magnus turns on his side and we can see he's looking at the necklace he found earlier that day. I'm thinking yeah. about Francisca. Yep, we don't, we don't see Francisca either. The stalker hasn't stopped stalking. <laughs> <laughs> I think he'll continue the next day. I think, I think he's going to be on it. <laughs> Okay, so Jonas arrives. Last the last two scenes are both barn burners, Steve. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would agree. <laughs> so Jonas arrives at the bus stop we've seen before. It's raining and there's missing posters that, mm-hmm. of course, don't have pictures of Mickle, but they have pictures of Mads Nielsen. Yes. That he's missing. The dry cleaning van pulls up. Inside, we see young Hannah and her father driving home. And they offer him a ride. Jonas is going to get in, but then he hears the name Hannah. And he's like, 
Oh dear, <laughs> no, I cannot. <laughs> I mean, this. So this is interesting. You're you're just talking about how Charlotte is fascinated. So would she want to get in to the truck with with young Steve? Like, yeah. What do you she, think? What do you think Jonas was thinking here? He did the right thing. Like, <laughs> let me get out of here. This is too much for me to handle. <laughs> That's what I hope Charlotte would do too if she was in that situation because that's a lot's a lot to wrap your head around. I don't think he was prepared for that. I mean, I think he he was kind of clued in to the fact that things were different. He was clued in to the fact that that Mads Nielsen is an older poster, but I think seeing his mom is a huge shock. And that means that Jonas is hanging around there and Mikkel is hanging around there somewhere too. So it's kind of interesting to see that Jonas is now in that different timeline now, right? Yeah, Jonas has ended up in 1986. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I interesting. So his parents have yet to conceive of him yet because he's gone 33 years back in the past and he himself mm -hmm. is what, like 17. So that's not going to happen for like another 15 years, I guess, where they actually get together and have a child, Jonas. Right. Well, I mean, he's, I think his, um, you, your sound went out, so I might have missed something you said. Oh, okay, <laughs> but, sorry. Um, but I think here he's thinking, maybe I can find Mickle. Okay. Because that's what I was. That's the first thing I thought of, and yeah. I'm, I'm. So he I'm, won't. He's not necessarily thinking. Well, find my parents when they got you know conceived of me. <laughs> I'm just um, thinking but, like the the, the 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 obvious things you think of when you go back in time and you run into your mom, and yeah. it's just a a bit much. But yeah, he is on the path for Mikkel here. He knows about yeah. Mikkel. He got the letter. It's raining hard. I don't, I don't like how much is raining on this guy. Yeah. So you mentioned he chose a path. Mm -hmm. The path he was on ended up in 1986. Yes. So the other path, this was 33 years back. Would that other path be 33 years in the future? I don't know. That's interesting. Or 33 years further in the past. Are there other caves? Are there? We saw two, but maybe there's more than that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a series of doors. Um, but yeah, it's like I don't know. I kind of, I kind of feel like. Obviously, I'm not Jonas, but I feel like if I was in by myself in a city and it was raining, I don't know. I'd almost want to get in the get in the van to to be like find out more about you know why this is my mom. <laughs> Um, maybe I'll get to know my grandpa. I don't know. So it's like, this is a grandfather. So I, obviously it would be freaky, but yeah, is this, did, is this what he expected to happen? He went into the caves. Yeah. He knows that this is, hmm. he knows this is how Mikkel, he has the letter. Perhaps he's still wrestling with the concept of, is this the truth or was his father insane? Mm-hmm. Um, but what did he expect to happen? Did he know he would end up in the past? That could be that could be a shock. Um, or did, is this what he thought was going to happen? Yeah, I'm not clear about that. Yeah, I'm not either. And 
I do think it happened too quickly, and that's why he hauled out of there, because things were just happening mm-hmm. too quickly, and he needed to regroup before he could <laughs> confront Hannah. And <laughs> you know, plus, you know, he, as soon as he gets in that van, they're going to have like the basic questions for him: What's your name? Where are you coming from? Where are you going? He doesn't have mm-hmm. those answers for them right now. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, he could he could have said, "My name is Jonas." Because he hasn't been born yet, so who but cares, you know? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> you've Crosby never, you've never time traveled. Crosby still the Nash might have been a serial killer. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, okay, so now we go back to 2019 and hit our other sort of cliffhanger. Yes. Ulrich goes to that forensic lab. Now that he's seen the picture of his brother wearing the sweatshirt, he goes to the forensic lab, forensic lab pulls <laughs> out the dead boy's body, and he holds up the photo of Mads and notices a small cut on the boy's chin. This is a significant and cut. <laughs> yeah. They play the story that his mother told him. So we now have confirmation that this is his brother. And I noticed Ulrich actually touched his chin, and I thought, are you supposed to touch these bodies? But Ulrich's <laughs> into disobeying the rules. We, we know that. And the body's already been examined and all that kind of stuff, too. So he's, I don't think he's contaminated any evidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that... Um, we suspected. So did this. Heather? Did Heather like get really excited when she saw this thing? Oh go, yeah! I knew it! I she, knew it! She got excited as soon as he looked at the picture and um, she saw the sweatshirt. That's when she mm-hmm. got excited, and mm-hmm. you know that's when she rested her case and was like confirmed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this this was a good a great way to end the episode. I'm curious, like um. I don't know. I'd be interested if anybody would write in and let us know if you're watching along with us, if this was a surprise or not, because it seemed like they were, they gave us all the clues for this. And, um, that's another reason we haven't speculated about the stranger too, is because we know who it is, but there's also like a lot of clues to kind of like clue you in as well. So I think they gave us a lot of clues that this that this kid was Mads. Do you? Mm-hmm. I I do. But I think, if I remember correctly, you had thought it couldn't be Mads because you were thinking Ulrich would surely have recognized his brother. Right. Um, but obviously so not. It was. Yeah. <laughs> I think that 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 it was always kind of kind of there as a possibility um but but yeah Ulrich is the one who really was not seeing it at all and was yeah they've they're looking for the identity of this of this boy and I mean now we're seeing it through Ulrich's eyes yeah Mm. and Ulrich's been exposed to a lot of stuff in this episode like the truth about Hannah now the fact that here's Mads and now he gets to grapple with the reality of how can this be Mads? So I guess we'll, we'll, um, <laughs> we'll watch him speculate about that in the next episode, I suppose. 
because mm-hmm. they really um, put the kibosh on the whole um, rape allegation thing very quickly. Like that just happened last episode that he was accused and it's this episode that we get the resolution to that. So I don't know, like, like these showrunners like to give us um, some long-term speculation and they like to give us some, you know, some short-term mysteries too that <laughs> get resolved pretty mm-hmm. quickly. Oh, the spe- you mean the speculation that Will Ulrich find out that it mm-hmm. was Hannah. Right. I mean, and they could have played was, that out for a long yeah. time. Yeah, I actually forgot, kind of forgot about this scene, how quickly it does happen. Um, yeah, because we want, we want catharsis, we want resolution, <laughs> but we still don't really get it because, yes, the Hannah reveal happened. He finds out that it was Hannah, but it doesn't give him any peace. It doesn't give yeah. Regina any peace. It's not like she's exonerated. I mean, she is, but <laughs> she, <should be. laughs> she had, like you said, the world's shittiest day. <laughs> there's no, there's no justice. Like Ulrich isn't banging on her door saying, "Let me make it up to you." You know, how can I, how can I make it up to you? He should. Um, on behalf of the yeah. police department, he should like send her like some roses or something, some kind of apology. You know, on behalf of myself and the Winden police. You know, I'm very sorry that you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> We're going to give mm-hmm. you the key to the city <laughs> as a reward. <laughs> mm-hmm. She already has a key to the city. She's married to the power plant guy. Yeah. But yeah, this was a, this was a great episode. It just, we're starting to get the pieces in place. And plus we're left with this like, oh, what's going to happen now? Mm-hmm. Will Jonas talk to Mikkel? And when he does, what will happen? What will become of that? There's sort of hope that yeah. maybe something good will happen and that there will be, we're one step closer to to getting everything all taken care of, Steve. <laughs> yep. And yeah, I'm liking, back, I'm liking being back in 1986 again. I want to see some more of those characters and yeah, I want to see, um, I want to see Claudia again. Hopefully Claudia mm-hmm. will, maybe give Jonas a ride or something, or I don't know how they're related at all, but he's, he's entering her world now because she's the power plant uh, manager at this point in 1986. <laughs> and I'm, we, they, they left us with a mystery then too, um, with the, all those barrels in the cave and I kind of want to see where that leads. So yeah, this, this mm-hmm. shows, this show does a great job of every episode leaving you wanting more. Yeah. I don't think I have any extra commentary. Okay, hey, <laughs> commentary done. I um, <laughs> want to talk about our favorite and least favorite characters, but I do have a, um, I'm sorry to say, I have a favorite listener this week because we actually got a letter. So that of course gives us a, gives you a special place in our heart, right, Lindsay? Yes, we're very excited about the fan mail. Yes, and this one comes from Beldum Ghost Closet on Reddit and let's see, I'm going to start at the beginning and see what they told me. Okay. First it's a compliment. I love compliments. It says you guys are doing a great job. Dark is a monster between all the time jumps, the worlds, the sheer number of characters, the characters interacting with older and younger selves is crazy. 
it's one of those shows that's fun to come back to because it's a challenge to understand. And there's always something upon watching it where the dots that haven't been connected suddenly start making sense. Don't get frustrated if you miss something or if something is confusing. There's stuff that I'm still trying to put together. This is what they said. <clears throat> um, good luck to you both. I love hearing you guys puzzle things out. It's lovely when I'm on one of my long hikes. I like listening to fellow friends nerding out about something I enjoy immensely. Love that. I listen while usually while I'm hiking or driving. Um, it's hard to listen while I'm like at my work, like at my desk. I have to be like in motion to listen to a podcast. But thank you so much for listening and for writing in. Beldum Ghost Closet. Um, I'm going to scan the letter real quick and see if I missed anything. Yeah. Thanks for taking us on, on your hike. Thanks for taking us <laughs> on a hike with you. Oh, that they further say, really here's happy. a good one. They say it's the best show they've ever seen, and they're looking forward to Bo and Jonte's future creative endeavors. Um, and I think they go on to say that if Bo and Jonte do any other shows, they want to see me and Lindsay recap them, huh? <laughs> they didn't say that. I said that. <laughs> <laughs> I just love recapping shows, and I love Bo and Jonte. I don't even know if I'm saying Jonte's name right, but. Um, they should be my favorite person this episode, the writers and creators of this show. But um, for my favorite character of this show, Lindsay, mm. um, it's got to be the hug of all hugs, Mr. Magnus. <laughs> I mean, I don't like how he's thinking weird stuff about Francesca and he's being a stalker, but in his family, he's doing some good stuff. So he's my guy again. He's been my favorite before. He has? I'm pretty sure. Let me check my, let me check the notes. <laughs> it's okay. Um, he's been your That's favorite okay. for sure. I know yeah, that Yeah, he's sure. been my favorite like twice. I almost <laughs> like, I almost thought about giving it to him again, but since you gave it to him, I'm actually going to give mine to Alexander. For okay, being, yeah, for being supportive. For being a good husband when everybody else sucks so bad. <laughs> um, not only is he attentive to her needs but he is also attentive to her need for space he doesn't demand to know the news or say why didn't you tell me okay you know he's he's just very supportive he respects that she'll tell him when the time comes she asks for him to comfort her he comforts her in her time of need he's there to give her a hug and he might be a really shitty boss, but he's a good husband. Yeah, seems like it. Mm -hmm. And I gave him the worst character back on episode two, Alexander. I remember that. And here yeah. he is getting the best. Um, I never gave Magnus best character. You're right about that. So this is my <laughs> this is my first time acknowledging the boy. So that's see, that's good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My worst person. Um, I almost wanted to say Ulrich. But I'm giving him a pass only because um, he's discovering some things. He's he's learned about Hannah. He's discovered Mads. So, you know, he's he's doing a mix of good stuff and bad stuff here. Whereas I'm only seeing bad stuff from Katarina. I don't I don't like the way she assaulted that woman. So she's going to go on my shit list this time around. Katarina Nielsen. She's that the worst woman. character. 
<laughs> yep. <laughs> I think she might be my first. No, I gave Hannah. I was going to say she's the first woman I've hated, but I've hated Hannah too. So. <laughs> well, don't feel left out, Auric, because I'm going to give you my worst character. There you I, go. I thought, see, we're, we're in tandem here, Steve. I was like, can I figure, can I find a way to have Hannah, Hannah and Katarina and Ulrich both get my worst character? But see, now I don't have to. I'm giving it to Ulrich because, yes, he's going through a lot. But part of being a decent, part of being a good human being is being able to say sorry when you're wrong. And he doesn't seem to have that capacity and hasn't this whole show. He's just kind of out for it for himself He's a good father. We've seen he's he can be an attentive father to his kids, but he's a crappy husband, <laughs> and he's also a crappy friend. So yeah, I don't like how he showed up at Hannah's and decided to try to choke her and push her around. Um, he also insulted her husband. He insulted her, and <laughs> now he's in. He was just a right cad to. Um, yeah, the only thing he did right was he finally decided to follow the paper trail to uh, find the truth instead of making assumptions or listening to what somebody else has to tell him. I mean, you're almost making me change my opinion here. Um, <laughs> you, you raised a pretty good case for Ulrich. Um, I'm thinking also, like listening to you say this, that maybe if Ulrich had is being more of an attentive husband, he'd be around to kind of like counterbalance Katerina. He probably would have, you know, stopped her immediately from like assaulting, um, what's her name in the hallway, Regina. I don't know if he would have been there to mm. um, stop him from, stop her from slapping Martha, cause that happened so quickly, but he probably would have had something to say about it. And maybe in turn, she would have been so quick to, you know, if, if he was with her, maybe she wouldn't have been so inclined to attack like that. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Back to Ulrich again. You're right. Ulrich ain't I looking mean, he good. Used to, he used to, like, he and he and Katarina like to pick on Regina together, so he might have joined in, started to slap around himself. <laughs> oh, no. You're right. <laughs> well, well, at this point, he knows that Regina was innocent from that, so maybe he would have jumped in. I don't know. Maybe yeah. he would have pulled a Magnus. Yes. See, like he he knows that information, but Katarina does not. That it wasn't Regina. So, you know, she maybe will. that would cause her to be a slightly better of a human being, but <laughs> I hope he tells her pretty soon here, um cuz she deserves to know cuz she's involved in that whole thing too because she's allegedly the one who was raped even though she was not. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think he should yeah. be telling her this immediately. Yeah. But man, there's a lot of stuff to happen. And yes, I'm so much more to come. I'm excited to see it happen. Episode seven coming up next. What is episode seven called? Do you know? Yes, I do. Because sometimes that it gives us a little called, clues of what's going to happen. It is called, um, getting to the thing here. It is called Crossroads. Okay, I'm thinking about the where Jonas is right now. He's he's at a different time, but we saw him in the cave where there was mm -hmm. like two different possibilities you could have gone. Yeah. I mean, you can take the word crossroads and apply it to every single thing <laughs> in life, I know. So anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess um, 
I'm ready to start wrapping it up, Lindsay. Um, did you have anything you wanted to bring up or anything else before we go? No, it's good to be back. It's good to uh, go through a dark episode with you again, Steve. So can't wait for episode seven. Thank you very much. Yep, same here. And yep, make sure to check us out if you can online, please. I'm uh, intro.void on Instagram and my music is on Spotify. Lindsay is one of my stories also on Instagram, but she also has that nice .com going on. One of my stories.com. So check that out for all her links. And thank you very much for another great episode of Sweet Child of Time. And we'll see you next week. May you always find water and shade, Lindsay. Steve, I hope you're in shade and a clean mattress. <laughs> Not that dingy one in the woods. <laughs> Not the dingy one. <laughs> thank you for that. Getting a good night's sleep is very important. It is. Good night. Bye-bye. Good night.